Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. Hi everyone, I'm Simon from Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Katie Wagner and Katie was just telling me before we started the podcast and I'm going to get her to tell me and tell you a little bit more about herself but she's from San Diego and has previously been a journalist and has now moved from that through a transition that I'm sure Katie you're dying to tell the listeners about but to to form a digital agency over 10 years ago, so 2010. So just give the listeners a little bit of a background and a little bit of a story about, about you for us. Sure, happy to. So you're right, today I own a digital marketing agency um, and we basically help companies generate leads or sales online. The agency is based actually in Orange County, California, but we have offices in Atlanta and Las Vegas and then San Diego as well. And before I opened the agency in 2010, I spent 15 years as a television anchor. And my job was to tell stories on radio and TV every day. But what we started noticing when social media got big and and Facebook was um, first launched, nobody was going home to watch the five o'clock news anymore. They could get headlines on Facebook and Twitter and see videos on YouTube. And it it was um, a little bit scary for those of us in a profession where we, we counted on them tuning in. And so the powers that be at my station said, hey, you're young, get out there and learn how to use these channels and get our audience back. And so for the last five or so years of my television career, it became my job to tell stories, not only on radio and TV, but on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Ah. And I realized that business owners would need to use these tools to communicate with their audiences, their prospects, their clients. And I thought that I could help them do that better. You know, the biggest um, struggle for most people when using digital is, is what do I say? What do I put out there about my business? And we can use tools that we learn in journalism to help companies tell their story a little better and really engage and connect with their audiences. So I, I retired from my job and opened the agency. Wow, congratulations. And was that quite unique in the day for the, for the station that you were working with to actually have a social media presence? Was, you know, were they, were they catching up or were they leading edge? Um, they were leading edge. Um, I worked for a big national station, so they were expected to be on the cutting edge. But okay. yeah, I think as those tools came out, a lot of um, stations fought it at first and thought, no, we don't have to get on board with this new stuff. We can keep doing things the way we've done yeah. it. And then it became clear it wasn't going away and, and they needed to get on board. It's strange as well, because I hear those same conversations now, even 10, 11 years afterwards, people yeah. are still saying, yeah, I don't think I need to be on social media. It's not for me. I don't think it's a place for business. You know, it's still that same comment that you have from people, isn't it? No, it's true. But you know what I think actually sped up the, the learning curve there it was the pandemic, because when the pandemic happened, you know, all the other forms of in-person communication and the things we used to do went away and everyone said, Oh, I think I should have been paying more attention to this digital stuff. You know, my website matters, my social media matters. Yeah. And I think you're right. And it's the communication methods, isn't it? You know, more people are using messenger, more people using WhatsApp. 
Yes. Uh, you know, Telegram. You know, I used that during a recent uh, Tony Robbins challenge. They were using that to communicate with their audience. So there's lots of different ways people have had to find to use communication in a, in a new way that isn't the traditional sort of getting on the phone or seeing people face to face. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know you've got your your coffee. I've got my coffee here in my flask as well. And today for listeners, I'm actually gone slightly different here. I'm drinking a, a single origin uh, Colombian coffee, which is quite novel for, for me uh, today. And just but I needed a little bit of extra caffeine to keep me going for the rest of the day. But tell us, Katie, what coffee you're drinking today. And in particular, why that coffee in the cup at the moment? Yeah, so I'm drinking what I drink every day, which is mushroom coffee by a company called Four Sigmatic. It's, uh, it's an instant powder that I mix up. Um, and I found mushroom coffee because I am somebody who doesn't do well on caffeine. Uh, we joke around my office that nobody wants to see me caffeinated. It's uh, <laughs> okay. it can be a little scary. And so I, I can't drink regular coffee, but I like the taste and I like the ritual of it and the smell. Okay. And mushroom coffee has about a third of the caffeine that a normal cup of coffee has, but it still tastes the same. It still has that richness and the smell to it. And so it's been able to allow me to indulge in the ritual without uh, getting too hyper and annoying everyone at my office. And I think the listeners will be quite happy with that because we've had somebody uh, mention mushroom coffee in, in the past for medicinal purposes more than anything else. But what uh, Pete didn't really talk about was the taste. And it's good to hear that it's, you know, it's a similar taste or the same taste as, as regular bean coffee because that's something that perhaps the listeners might not have realised that you can get the caffeine sort of drop, but still maintain the taste of the coffee. Well, and mushrooms uh, are superfoods, so it's good yeah. for you. And I, I'll yeah. tell you, Simon, I've actually served mushroom coffee to dinner guests without their knowledge and nobody could tell <laughs> So, you know, it, it does taste very much the same. Yeah, great. And you say it's, it's, it's instant, it comes in a, in a powder. You know, do you make a large brew of that? Is it just cup by cup or mug by mug hat yeah how do you how do you brew it do you brew it in bulk or do you work on a cup by cup basis i work on a cup by cup basis because i'm only allowed to have one cup a day ah right. just okay. a little caffeine so i'm protecting all the people around me yeah um, and, and we're all intrigued now actually uh, we, we'll probably need to google this and find out if there's a video somewhere of katie uh, out there caffeinated up because you're creating quite an intrigue there of what uh, you know caffeinated katie looks like <laughs> yes yes it's just uh i like to think of it as hyper productive other people <laughs> yeah so is that your favorite coffee um and if it is your favorite coffee how how do you take your coffee you know, do you have it with with cream do you have it with milk you know how, how do you take your coffee i take it black always okay. and yep. yes it is my favorite i've drunk nothing but mushroom coffee for the past two years or so now right great and i've got to ask what was your coffee before that? Did you drink coffee before that or were you sort of a more of a tea drinker or an alternative drinker then as well? I wouldn't consider myself a coffee snob, but I met my husband in Starbucks. Um, yep. He was in operations management for Starbucks and we met in one of the stores and he has a, a black apron at Starbucks, which I don't know if you know, means he's a coffee master. And that oh. uh, is like a sommelier for coffee. Right. Mm -hmm. So he went through vigorous, like tasting and pairing classes and, and really learned about coffee. 
and he got me into it. So um, I don't know that I had a favorite, but I certainly appreciated after meeting him, the nuances and the, you know, the craft behind it. Yeah. And, and it's interesting you say that, you know, Starbucks is my favorite uh, coffee as well. And the fact that I'm drinking a pod Starbucks even now with the Colombian coffee. Nice. And I see the, the people working behind the counter there and we can now go for takeaway at the moment, but I'm always in awe of the productivity that they have behind there, but the skill as well. You know, I've tried getting those shapes into the, into the froth and get them like, yeah. and it's so difficult, isn't it? I don't know how they do it. You know? So I take my hat off to, to anybody who works in a, in a Starbucks or of course other brands are available as well. But yeah, it's, you know, the barista type uh, skill is exceptional. I think. Absolutely. And Starbucks has some of the best um, corporate training programs of any company. They really mm. um, have systematized their business and put those baristas through a lot of training so that every time you get your coffee, it's the same. And, yeah. and multiple people can do it in the same way every time. And I'm big on systems and processes. So I really like yeah. that aspect of their business. Yeah, yeah. And there's just something magical, I think, uh, about these places of how they make you feel as well, isn't it? You know, I mean, yeah. I sent... Uh, our local Starbucks, it's, it's a beautiful setting in, in, a, in a very historic town. And they've really embraced the, the nature of the building. Uh, and you know, it's, it's such an enjoyable place to go. And the staff are really great. They're so polite. And, and I know it's, you know, it's their job to be polite and customer service, but they really go the extra mile. And I sent them a thank you card between Christmas and New Year saying, look, you know, oh. it's been a really hard nine, 12 months uh, and just want to thank you for being there because you are the place that we come to escape, you know, even though it's a takeaway. And I, you know, I think it's really important the the part that these organizations and the people, but like you say, it's the way they make you feel. It's that consistency, isn't it? Of, of yes. uh, brand, et cetera, that makes it so special. Absolutely. So thinking about um, your husband. Okay. And I did say I'd go off a bit of a tangent here on some of the <laughs> questions. Uh, I've got, I'm, I'm intrigued. How, how would you start, you know, did you actually meet in Starbucks? How do you start a conversation with somebody who's behind the counter there? You know, I, I, for the listeners, I'm sure we're all interested in how you build a relationship with somebody who's behind a Starbucks counter. He made my latte. Uh, so, okay. So Steven, that's my husband, yep. was in operations management. So his job was to go into underperforming stores and help turn them around. So he wasn't a barista, but had been all through college. And so he learned those skills. And when I was in line, he sort of went up to the barista and said, I've got this one. And he took oh. my order and he made my latte. And um, we joked, Simon, because the conversation was not stimulating. It went, hey, how's your day? Good. How's your day? Good. And then I took my latte and I left. And um, I was a television anchor at the time, and Stephen recognized me from TV, internet stalked me and sent me an email <laughs> and said, said, hey, we, we met this morning, you may not remember me, I made your latte, can I take you out to dinner? And I called all my girlfriends and I read them this, I said, some barista wants to take me out to dinner. And uh, they said, absolutely not. There's, um, <laughs> there's no reason for you to go out to dinner, you don't even know this person. Um, I, I forgot to mention that I was in a city that I didn't live in. I was covering a story in a different city. So they said, you're far away from home. No way. So I went and uh, we had dinner and decided we liked each other. We were going to date long distance. So I went back home and he stayed where he was and he would come visit me once a month. 
And Simon, on the fifth time, we eloped and uh, ah, got married. Yeah. Great. What a great story. And listeners, I'm sure you'll agree what I'm going to ask now. Yeah, we need to get the other side of this, don't we? We need to have Stephen yeah. on a podcast so he can tell us the other side of this because uh, that's, a, that's a great way of uh, building up a romance. I love it. Absolutely love it. Moving on to the, the business side of things. Yeah, the next question is about your business and what you've either worked on or what you've evolved uh, and or fixed in your business you know what's been the, the most significant or the latest thing that you'd like to share with the listeners yeah this is actually top of mind for me because uh monday i just came back from three weeks of strategic planning for the business which i do twice a year i step away and really look at what can we be doing better and what needs improvement and my area of focus this time was uh, staff retention. You know, my business, we're an agency, so we really rely on the people. And I have about 40 employees. And marketing has a notoriously high turnover rate uh, because it's a hard job. There's a lot of feedback from clients. It's kind of around the clock and um, can be really challenging. And, and so we're not immune to that, right? We, we have turnover and um, I'm a pretty loyal person and my staff is like a family and I, I like to eliminate that. So I really focused on what can we do to cut down on turnover, to increase retention and make people feel like they're a part of this company and they have a future here. And I did a lot of reading and studying about what employees are looking for these days. And most of my employees are, are millennials or even some Gen Z now. Yep. And it, it's really important to this age range that they're getting not only growth in their particular job and professional development, but they're getting career growth as well and really looking long-term and, and determining, you know, what, what's the next step? What does it look like a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, and really getting that mentoring. And, you know, I'm Gen X. And so for me, it was more important to just be good at my job and focus on what I was doing at the time and then move on to the next step. But I've really had to learn as a manager and as the CEO of my company to help them chart a path that's a lot longer and to take an interest in them a lot further out than they may even be working for me. You know, help them get to their goals, even if it means they leave the agency one day. So that, that's been a major focus for me right now. Yeah. And it's interesting you say there about leave the agency, because I know many of the listeners who have their own businesses or their own practices uh, organizations very often we resist investing in our people because yes. we're worried about them leaving and i know from my own business experience some of the the best warm fuzzy feelings i've had have been when somebody has left and gone on to amazing great things and i've been the springboard that's helped them do that and i think from a contribution nature point of view that's really really important for me but it was even more important for them and you know yeah you you build for what you need don't you and it's great to hear that story so how was it before and what kind of difference has that made then have you seen started to see any results of that yet just share with listeners a little bit about the difference yeah so um we have um quarterly performance reviews at my company. So every 90 days we're talking about their performance, but previously those conversations were really focused on performance in the actual role and, you know, things that they could do better, strengths, weaknesses, that sort of thing. And we've really shifted that to be a conversation about where is all this headed for you? 
Not so much what are you not doing well now, but what do you need to learn to be able to take the next step? And moving forward, Simon, I have committed to having uh, one-on-one meetings with all of my employees monthly to discuss their career and personal goals, to talk Mm -hmm. about what, um, what does it look like in your life and how can we help support that? Because, you know, I was, I was very guilty as a business owner of just focusing on the business and what are we doing, you know, in our work. And I think that was short-sighted because not investing in people who might leave means you're not getting the fullest potential out of them now. And so being able to say to them, I'm committed to you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to help you learn. You know, I actually think you get a lot more loyalty back. And, and we've started to see people now talking about their roles within the agency two years from now, instead of the next job. And so that's been helpful. And have you seen any resistance? I mean, that's quite a, a tall order. And again, yeah, well done you for, for stepping up and having those one-to-one meetings. I mean, I think that's something we should all aspire to do, but have you seen any resistance from that at all, from the people that you're actually meeting? I, I wouldn't call it resistance. But one of the things that we've had to sort of nurture a little bit is transparency, because sometimes people don't see themselves at the company a year from now. And having those conversations, you know, it has to be a setting where it's okay for them to say, yeah, I want Mm. something different. And I think that was really one of the, the reasons I initiated this, because I felt like if we got more warning that that was a decision that was going to be made, then we can plan better from both sides. It's better for the agency because I know somebody may not want to be here long-term and we can create redundancy and make sure that the work is covered and the clients are taken care of. And also knowing that I can help them look for their next step and write a letter of recommendation or connect them to, you know, connections I have. And I I thought by forcing those more transparent, candid conversations, it's really a win-win. And there has been some pushback against Hmm. telling the truth in that way right it's scary to say to your boss this may not be the right job for me yeah it's interesting i was facilitating a webinar earlier today for a a speaker here in the uk that was talking to a university and one of the things he mentioned was a study that google had done between good teams and great teams yeah and he said the, the 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 most significant difference between the two was the uh what did he phrase it the psychological safety net Yes. That people feel safe to be able to think things, say things and behave in a certain way, isn't it? And encourage that kind of behavior. And I think that's exactly what you're doing there. So um, it, it's interesting to, to know as well for the listeners, what kind of mindset has had to shift for you, first of all? Yes. And is, has there been a mindset shift for them as well? Absolutely. For, for me, it- it requires a great amount of courage, I think, to be able to say, it's okay to tell me if you're not happy here. And yeah. I had to really check myself and say, I'm not going to get emotional. I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm not going to have my feelings hurt by this. I'm going to care really more about the other person and investing in them and approach it from a standpoint of curiosity. And, and of course, that's a skill oh, wow. I'm working on. It's a work in progress. Yeah. But I think that has had to be a mind shift. Like, it's okay for this path not to be right for everybody. And, yeah. and I have to be okay with that and be willing to invest in them anyway and help them along. And then I think from this, the employee standpoint, there's a lot of trust that they're putting in me in those conversations, that it is safe to, to say the truth, to be candid, 
and know that there's not going to be any fallout from that or, you know, now I'm not going to give them the good assignments or I'm going to be mad at them. You know, I, I think that's a, a trust from both sides and we really have to meet in the middle there. And, and it does take a tremendous amount of psychological safety and of, of relationship building to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I love the words you used there of curiosity. And I should imagine, likewise, they would be curious to see how this was going to work out and how far they could push it, just like children. You know, how, how much can we push the boundaries? How far can we go before you know, we have to retract it? Uh, so, yeah, so I love that. The, the other thing I want to ask is, because that's quite, you know, that's CEO down to, you know, um, the, the, all the team. How do the managers fit into that? You know, how do the, um, you know, I assume you have managers, you've got a team of 40 and yes. different officers. How, how do they cope with this? And how, or how are they dealing with this whole uh, charting the journey of the team as you've laid out there? Well, the managers are my direct reports. So we are having the same conversations, you know, as them being the employees that I'm having with everyone else. We're trying to, yep. to figure out what they want out of their tenure here. Um, and then I'm doing a lot of coaching with them about how to ask the right questions to learn what's important to our team personally and professionally and to learn what they might be interested in or where they want to go. And, and again, it is a mindset set shift to be interested in sort of the whole person rather than just the tasks and accountabilities and results they're producing. And I think some of them have been resistant to that because it's changing the way you see these direct reports and, and the way you interact with them. Um, but it's a learning curve for all of us. And we're really, really working hard to develop those kind of tight relationships. And, and again, curiosity about what does the whole person bring to the situation? Yeah. Again, I love that word curiosity. I know for me, what you're doing there would be very, very difficult. You know, I love to be in control. Yes. And, you know, Harlan, who we're talking about earlier on, sent me a, a T-shirt that says, you know, because the coach says so. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's me through and through. And you, you're right. You know, it's, it is hard work. And I would find that very difficult to have to sit on my hands and, and be open like that. You know, it puts you in a very vulnerable position, not just as a business, but as a person as well, doesn't it? You know, because you don't know what they're going to say about you and, you know, your baby, really, you know, your business. Yes. And, you know, I, I'm the same as you. I, I'm a driver. I, I like to get results. And I sometimes struggle with remembering that not everybody feels the same way and, and having empathy yeah. from their points of view. And I, I always say that being the CEO of this company has been the biggest personal development journey I've ever been I on. Bet. I've had to learn that. And um, it is scary it, and it can hurt your feelings, but at the same time, it doesn't do any good to have people feel that way and not tell you because then yeah. you're just blindsided when they leave and, and you're scrambling to fill the gap. Yeah, great. Moving on to the, the next question then, if you could give the listeners uh, a tip or a lesson to learn that they can take away today and perhaps use or take action upon, what would you share with the listeners in this podcast? I'm going to give you two if you're okay with okay, that. Okay, that's fine, yeah. Uh, in this vein, I think that I would encourage them to really start to try to get to know employees as people and, and start to have those conversations about what they're looking for and what's important to them. Because yeah. in addition to my retention problem, having those conversations has really given us a lot of great ideas about what they want as far as rewards, you know, is salary more important? Is benefits more important? You know, do they need time off for a family thing? 
it's really opened the door to serve them better as employees. And then likewise, they give back more when they feel taken care of. So if you're brave enough to do it, I think the conversations while uncomfortable have been really beneficial and it's something any business owner could start incorporating in a small way. And then the other thing that I'm a big fan of that I, I always give when asked this question about advice is that that stepping away from your business to really focus on the big picture and the strategic direction. Um, So I've had my business about 11 years and I step away for three weeks, twice a year. And during that time, I don't check my email. I have no contact with the Hmm. agency. My employees run the company and I focus on what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What's the strategic direction? And I, I take that seriously because as the CEO or the business owner or founder, you're in charge of charting that direction. No one else is going to do it. And if you don't do it, it doesn't just hurt you. It hurts your employees and their families. It hurts your clients and their employees and their families. There's a real ripple effect when the business isn't on the right trajectory and taking care of its people and its clients. Yeah. I I always think about it. And as you were saying there, it conjured a picture of an old fashioned ship and Mm -hmm. the captain of the ship has his little office at the back of the ship off of the deck and you know the captain goes there and it's not because the captain needs uh, exclusive quarters and doesn't want to eat with the rest of the team etc it's the place where the captain goes to chart out the journeys where they get the maps out isn't it and you know you think about the old movies whether it's pirates of the caribbean or whatever it is it's the place where the captain goes to give that direction and to look at the journey ahead, isn't it? And I, I love the way that you take that time. And I know it's good to hear as well the results that that's given you uh, and certainly the results that it's given you of working with the team in the way that you do. I've got to ask one sort of final question just to expand on this just a, a tiny bit more. Yeah. When you go on these three-week blocks, is it just you or do you take people with you? It's just me, but sometimes I will schedule a work day with one of my managers in those three weeks. So I typically meet with each of the managers individually during that time to discuss the direction of their, um, their department. Um, and sometimes I don't, but if I feel like I need that time, I do block it out with them one-on-one. Great, great. And, and I think that's, that's important for the listeners to realize as well, because I think too many people get hung up on the, Oh, if I'm going to take three weeks away from the business or a week away from the business, if I'm going to take all my team of managers with me and, you know, it, I think it is important for them to realize that you can do it on your own. You know, yeah. you know, an organization with multiple officers, 40 employees, and you know, credit to you for being able to do that and take that time and have that space, is it? Because that's, that's what you need, space and time, don't you? Well, yes, because I'm so busy doing the work on a daily basis, you forget to take a step back and look at it. Yeah. And I'll tell you the unexpected benefit is that sometimes we forget to congratulate ourselves on what we've built <laughs> and how far we've come. You know, like it's an actual business. Who knew I could do that? Right. And, and having that space to just say, you know what, there's some things that have gone really right here. Good job is, is I think really important for renewing our energy level as, as leaders and continuing to push forward and pursue goals. Yeah. 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 Completely agree. So moving on to the, to the final question then, and this is back to the coffee and the mushroom coffee that you've got there. 
Uh, and I'm intrigued to share this mushroom coffee. Now, I'm going to have to get some mushroom coffee. There's no doubt about it. You're a second person now that's mentioned it. Yeah. Knowing that as we record this, various parts of the world are in various stages of lockdown. If you're going to have your next coffee in any dream location, where would that dream location be? So it isn't going to sound exotic, but this is the honest answer. I live in San Diego, but I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. And in Atlanta, I have a lake house. And my favorite thing in the world is being up really early in the morning and sitting on the dock that sticks out into the lake right. and no one else is around and drinking coffee and just having that be quiet. And it's so beautiful there. I have an office in Atlanta. So normally in non-pandemic times, I'm there every six weeks and I haven't been right. in a year. And so wow. um, that would be the dream for me is just to get back to that, that happy place for me and have some yeah. coffee on the dock. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, I, I missed, as I was listening to, I was trying to picture this, uh, this dock and this lake house. Best time of day to do that? Would you say is morning, sunrise, sunset? What would be the best time? Either one, but I prefer the morning. Yeah. I when it's really morning. quiet and no one else is up yet. Yeah. Yeah. I must admit, we've got horses at home. And for me, the best time of my day is getting up just before sunrise and seeing the sun come up and the colours in the sky, the the birds, the animals that you see uh, are, are incredible. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Sunrise is, is, a, is a special part of the day, isn't it? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure to have you uh, on today's podcast uh, and to have somebody who has spent time on TV as well. So it's a shame we're not doing uh, the video and you could show your talents on TV, but the audio has been great. So thank you for that. And I think you've shared some amazing things with us. And uh, I hope listeners, you've taken something away. And thanks for being on today's podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Great. And listeners, uh, you know, this is part of my mission to help you become more aware uh, and better educated. And I know from today, you know, we've talked about romance over Starbucks. Who knew? We've talked about eliminating that staff churn and building that staff retention and taking people on that, that, that journey that they can chart both personally and in the business and building that business family. I love the way you described it as a business family, Katie, and uh, really about the word curiosity. I think there's lots of things that we could do in being curious um, that's definitely my word for today. In fact, it's my word for the week. Become curious about your staff, your team, your business, uh, and recognize the success in that as well. And uh, as always, we've talked about some coffee as well, mushroom coffee today in particular. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I hope you've taken some value from it. Take some action from what you've heard from Katie today. She's given up her time to share her tips and her lessons with you. So please Respect that and take some action from what you've heard. And of course, I look forward to having you on the next podcast. Bye for now.